Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, YouTube. <laughs> yeah. What's up? Hi, Jackson. What's up? Got some headphone issues. What's going on here? Usually you'll have those in the TMA studios. I'm thinking about switching the earbuds. Are you? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. The, the cans, they, they actually I have some ear cartilage pain. Ear cartilage pain. Yeah, like uh, every day around about eleven fifteen, take my headphones off for the day, and I'm like, touch my ears like hurt. No room. Yeah, so I'm thinking about making the switch to earbuds. Uh, let me see what's going on in the YouTube chat to make sure the boys are there, and of course many of the ladies. Uh, so they're mad with Jackson. What do you say we coordinate the inaugural balloon party Black Friday golf invitational Forest Park scramble format? Chat members only, of course. Tiny PP would be the commissioner. Oh wow! Looks like the YouTube chat is planning a social outing. I, I enjoy uh, the camaraderie. Yeah, it's you know, great to see that. Always, uh, but Black Friday, not a great day to be out ball striking usually. Plus, you got Bazori and Warkinsaw. Yeah, that's another factor. I, I think if you want to do <laughs> maybe a different, maybe a summer holiday or uh, around the summer holiday, I'd be more interested. But I don't really like golfing. God, I just feel like you don't want to hang out with the listeners. I want to, so uh, I'll be there. Yeah, we'll, we'll play Hawthorne and Redbud. Does that sound good? Huh? Uh, Dan Jansen. A nice uh, gentle handshake on both those holes, or both those courses. <laughs> I do like the gentle handshake. Uh, percentage of the audience that gets the gentle handshake reference. 6%. Mm, I'm going to go under. I didn't even know that term. For the record, a gentle handshake is a golf course that gives you an easy opening hole. The gentlest of handshakes is at Far Oaks. Wow. Short par five, very short par I five. I can't get on Far Oaks, so I can't relate. And that's you again another... You can't. <laughs> Correct. My membership has been rejected. Get involved on the program. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line. That is how you can get involved on the program. And of course, the YouTube chat. And Taylor Twelman, who I gather will be a banty rooster. Yeah, for sure. At 1035 with his final appearance of the year presented to you by Together Credit Union. That is what we have coming up for you on our one hour of magical midday radio here. Jackson, you have the little piddles. A little half and half action. Got a half and half? All right, let's see what we got going on. I'm anxious to see what you got, because yesterday topics galore. What do you have today? Yeah, topics galore. I think I, know, I think I know the lead. I mean, when I asked Rocchio and Carrie and Brooke and Randy what the lead was, they looked at me like I was crazy. So let's see if Jackson agrees with uh, the opening drive. John Moselock Yes! Spoke. 
He spoke yesterday about the payroll, saying it'll look very similar to last year. Did the president of baseball operations comments about the state of the offseason give you more or less confidence in their ability to compete next season? So I have to be, what do we call this, honesty in media? Yeah, transparency in radio. Podcast YouTubing? Bill? Whole. I didn't really think, I didn't really think that the quotes were that big of a deal. <laughs> But I guess I'm in the minority. I don't know. Like, so what he was saying was, I'm a big fan of math. Mm-hmm. Math is one of the only things we have left that you can't. Subjective. It's not subjective. Ah, Jackson. Mm, mm. Mm-hmm. And so, what he was saying was, the 40-man payroll would be around what it was last year. And I gather that. Some may mean they're not going to increase it, but it's at 145 right now, which means they can increase it a pretty substantial amount, $55 million, because the $200 million amount was what it would have been last year had Montgomery and um, who else, Flaherty and who else, everybody, everybody left. So that's why it didn't wind up hitting 200. But the point being, they have 55 million to spend. Now, I've got, I've got two. I've, this is not. I'm, it sounds very Colin Cowherd, and I, it's nothing against Colin Cowherd. But my perception of of him is that oftentimes he will take the contrarian stance. Now, maybe he really thinks this way. Maybe he doesn't. But I think I'm in the minority. Locally, I think, mm-hmm. c- certainly with the, the listeners of TMA and Balloon Party, I think, and that I would personally, the thing that would make me happiest this offseason is if the Cardinals were to trade Nolan Arenado and, and Paul Goldschmidt, and if somebody would take Wilson Contreras. The reason why I personally am not, and I'm not saying that a bunch of people are, but as critical of the Blues at the moment, and it's not because they just won two games, it's because... They cited the situation, of which they were responsible for, in part, with having a bunch of dollars tied up into, in particular, uh, an aging defensive core, and the spot that they're in with that. But they identified, okay, it's not going to, it's going to take time to get back to a championship level. That is our plan. Buy in that we know what we're doing, and this is what the plan is going to be. I like that. My fear for the Cardinals is this. And this was reemphasized yesterday. I don't think that this is going to change because I expect it to happen. Is the Cardinals are trying to to hedge? Right. They're in a very unique spot in which they have big time dollars tied into a guy who is thirty six and in his final year, and Paul Goldschmidt, a guy who I think we still think of is young and, you know, absurdly talented with upside, but the reality is Nolan Arnato is hitting 33 in 2024. And Wilson Contreras, who, you know, I, I suppose that this is, the, I kind of feel like we have another Sam Bradford situation here. Mm, I hear what you're saying. Because people may not want to acknowledge this could be a problem. Like it has to work. Exactly. And they pulled him from the catching position a month in. And either way, do you think he's going to be the catcher in three years when they're paying him even more than they're going to pay him or they did pay him this past year? 
Meanwhile, running parallel to that situation, which is not desirable for most organizations, but especially if said organization has under contract Miles Michaelis, mm-hmm. who has been good, but has been is the operative word and was not good in the most recent year, and Stephen Matz, who I realize flashed before his season came to an end, but otherwise would be considered an albatross of a contract up until that point. Yep. And that's all you have in the starting rotation. Holy crap! Just in and of itself, that's a problem. And I'm not angry about that. What I'm concerned about is if they try to now re-engage to compete in one of the final couple years, or maybe the final year of the Goldschmidt-Arenado era, that you are going to sign players, have to overpay, because the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs now you know have sent a message by signing Craig Council to an $8 million a year deal. They're going to be involved. The Mets... I'm not sure what the the Padres will do, but at the very least, the Dodgers and the Giants are all coming off of what would be considered disappointments, and they're all going to be competing for Nola, Snell, Yamamoto, Jordan Montgomery, and the Cardinals aren't going to be able to sign those guys for like a year or two. If you get them, you are overpaying for their services to try to salvage and bounce back from last year. So I actually am in the school of, I don't want them to be aggressive this off season. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be aggressive buying this off season, which I realize is a, a voice in the wilderness opinion locally. Why? Because fans are frustrated that they haven't gone out and been aggressive. Hence the conundrum. The conundrum is, I think the right move would be to not and to actually sell, but they're in a spot where the fan base doesn't trust them, and the fan base wants to see them spend money. But if they spend money, they're going to be committing dollars to the back half of the decade when all these pitchers who are in their 30s are going to be on the decline, and Arnato and Goldschmidt and Contreras aren't going to be the guys who they are in 2023. So you may be solving the pitching in a real short-term way, but really paying for it in the back half of this decade. All while a lot of things have to go right for you to have a good year, considering you don't have young pitching that you can fill these spots in. It's a hell of a position for the organization. And the thing is, unlike the Blues, who have a championship and a great 2020 season that was cut short by the pandemic... Their leader, John Mazalek, doesn't have the equity with the fan base that Doug Armstrong does. Their leader, Ali Marmol, doesn't have the equity of the fan base that Craig Berube does. And so they are in a hell of a spot, again, of their own doing. But this one's different. They are not an organization that goes, yeah, we're going to rebuild. They've never done it under Bill DeWitt. I can't imagine they're going to do it this year because, they said in July, our goal is to return to contention next year. Okay, that is going to take a lot. And when you have all of those teams competing for a handful of pitchers, it's going to cost a lot of money in order to bring one of these guys in, much less two or three. I imagine they will sign a free agent, and I imagine they will trade for one, and I still don't think it's it's going to be enough. So that's where I come in. You might not like the opinion. That is fine. 
personal attacks are always welcome. 314-399-9646. Or you can uh, send them in on YouTube chat. Jackson, what is your opinion on that? Yeah, so I think, given the situation, because honestly the biggest factor in this offseason is, I think, not in the Cardinals camp, but it's like the Yankees, Red Sox, like you said, like all these big-name Dodgers, Phillies, are looking to add pitching. So you're going up against big, big-time spenders who will overpay for these pitchers. And so if the Cardinals don't want to do that, they're probably going to be buying low and hoping that the talent, you know, they're like buying low stocks and hoping they perform well. And in all honesty, that might work, but you might just get the three more Steven Matz or two more Steven Matz on your roster, and that's who's going to fill out your rotation. And then you're kind of in a lame duck year where you're waiting on Goldschmidt's contract to end and whatever will happen with Arenado. So it's like the indecision that is kind of going on, and obviously it's not all up to them. Goldie and Arenado have no trade clauses. But having said that, like you're kind of like waiting out this window where if you don't have the pitching, the window will never be capitalized on. So do you share my perspective, or do you have... Because I... And again, I'm not saying this. Hey, look at me. I have a different opinion, everyone. I don't care. This just is my opinion. Sure. But I think that the vast majority of fans, and I don't know as far as, you know, writers and show hosts and podcast hosts and so on and so forth. I don't know. But I certainly feel from a fan standpoint, they are anchored. There is either I doubt they are going to go out and get somebody or they don't trust them. To get them, but the expectation is that they are going to try to get somebody in here at the very least one, if not two or three. And if that doesn't happen, people are going to be even more pissed off. And my position is they're in a brutal spot. I don't think they have the pitching to get to go from from 71 to 91 to, oh, we signed three guys and we have the budget to do it. And now we're right in the mix to be a world championship contender. Listen, if it can happen and then they can still perform in the back half of the decade, then great. I'm just saying that is such an outlier mathematically that I just don't know how they're going to do it. And the better play would be to take closer to a St. Louis Blues approach, which is go, hey, it ain't going to happen. We got to rebuild. I realize that's the who's going to take Wilson Contreras' deal. Very few so teams. you're stuck on that. Right. And Nolan Arnado, I'm not saying he is a bad player. He trended down this year. That's not my reasoning for this. I'm just looking at it that I don't think the team is close. And that is where I'm coming from. And now, what do the Cardinals need? Pitching. Who needs pitching? The big boys. <laughs> right, that's kind of what I mean. And you have Snell, Nola, Yamamoto, Montgomery, I suppose Sonny Gray, uh, you're just going to have to go bat crap in order to get one of them here. And that is not something that they'll go, oh, we'll come though for 2024 and we'll see what's doing after next off. It's going to be a five-year deal and it's just going to be, that's painful, man. You're paying for that essentially for the rest of the 20s. Yeah, and then your Paul Goldschmidt will be like a three handicap by the time, you know, Snell's done pitching or you're done. No, I'm not saying that Snell, you're done paying for him. Right. Right. So it'd be a short term injection of enthusiasm for the fan base, just like John Carlos Stanton would have been. I remember talking about that then. And I remember hosting the show the morning after Dexter Fowler was signed. And it was like at a 95% approval. And I thought, God, 
I mean, he might have had a nice home run to start Game 7 of the 2016 World Series, but that doesn't change who he's been throughout his career. He's been an average to above average guy. Doesn't make him a bad guy. That's who he is. He just happens to be hitting the market at the highest equity point for him in his career, coming off of a great World Series moment for a landmark World Series that everybody around the world paid attention to, with the baseball world anyway, unlike this World Series, because the Chicago Cubs won it. Just like the Yankees and the Cardinals with Tino Martinez and overpaying for that after he had a great World Series. I just worry that the Cardinals are about to create even bigger problems this offseason. That's where I'm coming from. But the thing is, if they don't go out and get anybody, then the fan base is, is even more pissed off. Right, right. The problem is, they said publicly, Ms. Alex said publicly, our goal is to return to contention. Okay, I mean, hey, that, you know, it's wonderful. <laughs> you know, my goal is to have a threesome this weekend, but I can tell you, it's not happening. So you can say these things, but then you box yourself into a corner. It doesn't, it doesn't do you any good. Which he's done before. And I just don't get it. Like, it's one thing if, like, you know you got something, but in a free agency, you don't. If a guy doesn't want to come here, you can't make him. He's a free agent. On top of that, if the Yankees and Red Sox are bidding on him too, good luck. Big time. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Uh, 1018, we got a break. Taylor 12 minute 1035. That is what we have coming up for you on the program. You are welcome to text in 314-399-9646. We have the Little Piddles, Angry Beaver, Half and Half, Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. It is Balloon Party, and it is driven by Munganess Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We're back to the party 101 ESPN. To my surprise, Jackson, a lot of people agree with where I'm coming from. I'd like to hear that. You see, so you, so you really do share my opinion. I don't, and well, I'm I just looking don't, for you to share my opinion. I know, I know. I'm comfortable being a lone wolf. I don't, I, I don't have friends. Well, I'm used to this. <laughs> I just don't think there like is a right answer because you've all like the kind of the writing's already on the wall. Like signing Wilson Contreras kind of put you in a spot where you can't do much in terms of this year. And then given the situation about the other teams in contention to grab pitching, it's like what do you like? What, there's not enough so I'm pitchers curious. to go let me, around. Let me let me go right to you here. Okay. Are, are you you're dealing with things though? I'll be all right. Don't worry. Are you sure? Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll press eject and I'll talk about myself. Oh, good, man. Uh, Taylor Twelman, by the way, at 1035. What would you like to see the Cardinals do over the next four months? Trade Paul Goldschmidt. Okay. Because I think you can get, still get value for him because I don't think that they can really contend with him this year. So trade Paul Goldschmidt and then don't sign a pitcher that, like, for a long period of time overspend because we've seen what happens when you... Like, the Cardinals almost never go all in on a singular player. They almost did with Pujols, tried to with Giancarlo Stanton, kind of tried to with Hayward, and then did with Wilson Contreras. And I just don't think that's the right play. Uh, I would rather develop young arms. That they, I mean, they have young arms. I don't know if that they're major league ready by any means, but they have young arms. I would rather try to develop them as opposed to bringing new people in because we've seen what happens with young talent when they go elsewhere. The one that, where I would be like, super fired up about, and I got to be honest, it's not like I've watched a lot of Yoshinobu, mm-hmm. uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, but he's 25. Yeah. That's, that, that one would be intriguing. Um, but 
ESPN, hey, I don't know if people read uh, the ESPN.com column in which they uh, interviewed their four baseball writers. And the pitcher that uh, Buster Olney expects the Cardinals to get is Blake Snell. And one of the things that uh, Olney, or was it Doolittle, a passing had uh, Snell go into the Phillies because he thinks they're going to lose Nola. But then they would immediately fill the spot with Snell. Not bad to be able to do that, considering you go from a guy who had a great postseason, minus his final start with Nola, uh, not a great 2023, but a really good postseason, to the guy who most likely is about to claim a second Cy Young. But it had the Cardinals getting Snell, and only, I believe it was only, who said, the Cardinals are so desperate for pitching, they can ignore the warning signs with Snell, i.e. how many pitches he's thrown, because that's what he does. He strikes people out, has some control issues as well, which is one of the reasons why he's effectively wild. Um, and the Cardinals will go all in, and they're going to pay something for Snell. That, And I kind of got the sense a few months ago that people thought it would be Nola. No real reason. It's not like John Mazalak said, hey, it's Nola. It'd be a wonderful little tampering situation. But uh, that is what they have on ESPN.com. Um, on The Athletic, Jim Bowden had the Dodgers paying Nola five years and $125 million after they don't get Shoyo Tani. So that kind of gives you an idea of the price of poker. Yeah, it's a lot. So that is my reasoning. It just hasn't been, it has not been the cardinal business model since Bill DeWitt acquired the franchise close to 30 years ago. And it would require a real reset. I think, I think it's the reason why that story in the Los Angeles Times about Nolan Arenado waiving his no trade clause to go to the Dodgers and only the Dodgers was met with the reaction that it got in St. Louis, not because they had any reason to not believe the writer, but because if it is indeed true that he was willing to go only to the Dodgers and the Cardinals were considering trading him, what that would do from a St. Louis Cardinal fan base standpoint is it would signal the Cardinals are also going to go through a rebuild just like the Blues down right. the street. Right. And that is not something this fan base has grown accommodated to. Um, you know, Joe Strauss, the late, great Joe Strauss, whose phrase for media BSing the people, balloon party, <laughs> is the namesake for this show, uh, was about to, I, I don't know if he was going to write a book on it, but he has said that had the Cardinals not had the run they had to get into the playoffs in 2011, much less make the run they did to the world championship, the organization was about to have a major change. He was aware that LaRusso was going to retire, I think, before it became public. But in addition to that, if you want to reverse engineer it, uh, you would go, okay. John Mazalek at that point would have been in charge of the team going back to Halloween 2007. 08 didn't work. 09, great team, but they got swept out of the playoffs. 10, no playoffs, and 11, no playoffs. That's a good enough sample size to say, ah, that might not work. We might not have our guy. Here he is still 12, 13 years later. But that's how close that might have been had they not gone on the run in August and September of 2011, in addition to the change in the dugout with Tony La Russa 
retiring. But instead, they win. Mazalok stays. Mike Matheny comes in, and the team goes to the NLCS in 12 and 13, the World Series in 13, the NLCS in 14, and win 100 games in 15. And so that was rewarded, and it paid off. But then 16, 17, and 18 were kind of middle-of-the-road years. And when you don't take a stance on a plan, either to be aggressive and buy or go, it's not going to work, we got to sell, that starts to hit you a couple of years down the road. And that is what I think we have seen in 21 and 22, and then at the bottom falling out in 23. And that's what I'm worried about. I like that the Blues are going, yeah, I mean, it'd be great if we can get in the playoffs and make some magic. But hey, realistically, we're behind the stars and the avalanche. Let's see if we can get to third or fourth in the central and make some magic. But we're trying to get back to that level. I feel like the Cardinals are building the model on hope or just going balls to the wall, aggressive with free agents, and then really going to wind up paying for it. I mean, how many of you deep down are happy that Wilson Contreras is under contract for the length of time he is with the question marks of his ability to play catcher? I can't imagine that there are many of you, but maybe you are. Um, And it's not anything personal on him. It's about a bad business deal. And sometimes you make bad business deals, and that, I think, is a bad business deal. What I'm worried about is in an effort to reclaim the fan base, the Cardinals are about to make some more bad business deals. Your thoughts are welcome, 314-399-9646, or you are welcome to go into our YouTube chat and talk it over. Plenty of people in there doing so. Taylor Twellman is going to give his perspective on the startling exit from the MLS playoffs for City SC. That is coming up next. His final appearance of the year brought to you by Together Credit Union. That comes your way next year on Balloon Party. Driven by Mug and S. Burkhardt, Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I'll tell you what, you're very lucky that Taylor Twelman's on hold. Otherwise, I would spend the next four hours talking about that Sports Center update. I'm going to do a 30 for 30 on that Sports Center update. Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the program presented by Together Credit Union, the great Taylor Twelman. Morning, Taylor. Hey, buddy. How are you? I have been anticipating this uh, conversation ever since Sunday at about... Uh, no, you haven't. Ses- no, you haven't. Yes, I because I'm texting with my soccer compadres, and they are looking forward to it as well. And I know that you are going to come loaded for bear, so I can't wait to hear what you have to say. Uh, give me the autopsy on, on what took place in this series. Uh, I, I fear six weeks before this series kicked off. I saw signs of regressions, the wrong word, but I wouldn't, I'm going to say regression to the mean when you look at real deep analytics of what St. Louis City had done and what they accomplished. First off, unbelievable season. Unbelievable regular season. Nobody expected it. But when you look at the Seattle 
the Vancouver game, you look at what Sporting Kansas City did going into the playoffs. I said it, what was it, October 17th? They're the last team I would want to play if I was anyone in MLS because they were hitting all the right metrics in style and they were desperate for such a long time. So they were emotionally competent. They were emotionally prepared. And St. Louis City just wasn't. So how much of that was Sporting KC and how much of that was City? Because we saw a trend that you made reference to, uh, you know, six, seven weeks ago that concerned you. Then I suppose you combine it with a red hot team that might look a little deceptive because they were the eighth seed. But this team wasn't necessarily looking like itself, at least what we had seen for the first three quarters of the year in that final quarter. It's a great question. You answered it. They're not mutually exclusive. I think it's the convoluence of both coming together, right? So I I thought Seattle-Vancouver were arguably the two worst performances of the year for St. Louis City, and they came at the worst time. Mm -hmm. And then match one against Sporting Kansas City unequivocally was the worst game they had played. There is an emotional connection you have as a team when you go through moments like these. St. Louis City never had pressure on them, ever. Because they were always talking about, well, we, no one predicted this. No one thought anything of this. Then all of a sudden they win the West. And what do they do after that? They lose to Vancouver. They lose to Seattle at home. They lose 4-1 to their rival at home. And so what people don't understand, and a lot of St. Louis fans were upset when I brought this up in the broadcast. But, Tim, as a player and as a team, when you go through moments, they become your ritual. They become your connection. Sporting Kansas City went winless in the first 10. They've been desperate for four months. St. Louis City never had pressure on them, ever. And then the moment they got rid of the chip on their shoulder by winning the West, they lost four in a row. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the time of possession, the stats that you guys focused on on, on Sunday night's broadcast, uh, and how they just didn't know what to do with the ball. I mean, that, that we talked about it last Tuesday, and it looked a, a lot like that uh, on on Sunday night. The first 10, 15 minutes, there was some pressure, but not necessarily great chances. And then the script flipped uh, for the remainder of the first half. What did you notice? I mean, there certainly were some lineup changes. What did you notice as far as the game plan uh, and, and and what was able to be executed and, and what they came up short on on Sunday? Well, what's interesting is I think when you talk about the possession stat, that's going to be the growth that has to come in year two. Because 11 games, they had 49% possession or more. They lost nine of those. And so they're going to have to find a way, one, to grow, and listen, this is year one, Tim. So any kind of constructive criticism I'm given, anyone else is given, you still would take the, the season that you just had, right? But now what do you do from year one to year two is arguably going to be the most important part of this franchise history. And the reason why I say that is because if you find a way to combine the style of play that you inhibited this year with the ability to progress it in possession, you can't lose. 9 of 11 when you have 50% possession of the ball. And when you have less than 40%, you can't win 8 of those 9. Because guess what that tells you? The formula is written in the cards. And yeah. that's where yeah. I think Lutz Fonenshield is going to have to find a way to say, hang on a minute, we got to work on plan B. And if they find a plan B, 
They go out and sign, in my opinion, four legitimate starting players. I think then you're talking about a real growth in a foundation for this team and this franchise to be very successful for years to come. They're just going to have to find those pieces. But there was no plan B. The league knew it. Everybody knew it. And their plan A worked for a long time. But when pressure cooks and gets higher, that's where it exposed it a little bit. And I'm not surprised because this is their first year of existence. And it's the first real season these players have been together. Where are, in your mind at this moment, Taylor, the specific spots you would look to for improvements? Well, one, if you get in the highest level of this game around the world, your fullbacks have to be really good on the ball. They've got to be able to release that pressure. I think they've got to find a consistent midfielder, defensive midfielder that is a destroyer. I think Blum was good, but he was inconsistent. I think he's a viable piece, but I think they've got to find someone that is in that position because if you look at every good team in this league and in their history – that's the most important position. And they've got to find, I, I just look at this team, you got to find players that are competent on the ball and that want to be on the ball. And so you could argue there's so many spots, right? But the, the ones I'm telling you are the ones at the highest of levels where everybody wants fullbacks that are good on the ball. They want a defensive midfielder that's good on it. And I'm not saying the guys they have now aren't going to be part of the team next year. But I think in order to find a plan B, there's got to be progression in about four spots on the field. What do you think is a, a realistic expectation for next year? I think in a way, from a, a casual fan expectation standpoint, they may be a bit out of whack considering what transpired this year. And as you were just saying, the formula was out there for anybody to see based on that that data on the on the time of possession. So if fans are going in next year going hoping for or expecting a repeat of, of year one, there may be some disappointment. So what do you think is a realistic expectation for year two i think that's a great question i think it's too soon to ask but let me give you perspective on what you just said because i think it's a fantastic question i think it's part of the conversation that bothered city fans when i had this over this playoff series and what i mean by this is that they had 56 points on the year but when you look at the analytics of the season it should have been 43 to 45 Hmm. And so what that means is there were certain anomalies that had happened. I'm saying that because, one, this year was unreal, unlike anything I've ever seen. But, two, I think that's where you got to look at where's the real progression next year. I think it's too hard to look at it now. I think you're going to ask me that question January 15th, February 1st, when we see who Lutz Fondenstiel brings in, what the roster looks like, and then I can give you a better answer to that. But I need the St. Louis City fan to understand there's no homism here. It's fact. They had 56 point on, points on the year, but when you look at all the analytics, they should have had anywhere from 43 to 45. Okay, 46, I'll give you. You follow where I'm going. Sure, absolutely. They outkicked their 100%. coverage. They surprised the heck out of everybody. So that's where you're like, oh, okay, so what if next year they get 56 points? But I tell you, they should have had 55 to 57. Guess what? They they did exactly what they're supposed to do. That's why it's such a hard question to answer now because you don't know the roster, you don't know the players. But then once you see that, you got to really think next level when you look at what St. Louis City did this year. And I think that stat that I just gave you tells you 12 to 14 points higher than what the analytics tell you. Oh, my word, they had an unbelievable season. 
Taylor Twelman, our guest here on Tuesdays. He is presented to you by Together Credit Union on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. We may not know the roster, but barring a really big surprise, Bradley Carnell will be leading this team in year two. I, uh, I think this is going to be a big test for him. I would imagine you think that is uh, the case as well because teams kind of figured out how to play against City, uh, and he didn't necessarily have a plan B. It also correlated with Lewin's drop in form as well, but Carnell with a full year under his belt may be able to figure some things out. What do you think about Bradley Carnell and what he is going to try to alter for year two? Well, I voted for him for MLS Coach of the Year, so there's no debate about that. He's done unbelievably well in that first year, and he'd be the first person behind closed doors that would probably give you three or four examples of what he's learned. I think the biggest question for Bradley Carnell, and he knows this, he's actually said this and defended this a little bit. But look at the New York Red Bulls. The moment they instituted this style of play years ago, what happens in the playoffs? And that's the question. You've got to find a way to use it to your advantage, which you did in the regular season. But is there a plan B? And it's way less tactical, and it's more so the ability to have players that fit both styles. I think that's the biggest question. And I think that's going to be an interesting part to this offseason. But Bradley Carnell did exactly what he was supposed to do and then some in year one. But the proof is in the pudding. Year two, they've got to find a way to get plan B. Is it tactical? Sure. I think it's more of having a collection of players that can give you both so then, for instance, Tim, not to go down the rabbit hole, but look at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. You know, look at the Dortmunds of the world. The ones that play these high-pressing styles but also have the ability to have players to play the game. Find plan B. I think if you have more personnel that can give you both, the better off they'll be. Uh, final thought. I would imagine you share this, and probably your cohorts at Apple TV share this. It's a real shame. That while it was incredible to see the fan support didn't surprise me, honestly, I expected it to be great. And it was actually greater than I expected. But it's a real shame that St. Louis only got one playoff game, considering the magnitude of the surprising success of the regular season and how great it would have been to have a winner take all game three against Sporting KC this Saturday. Um, any takeaways? Yeah, I mean, listen, Tim, I'm, I'm answering this question. I'm walking down Fifth Avenue in New York. I just left the league office. Uh, what St. Louis has done for this league, what St. Louis has done for Apple, there's not a conversation I've had in the last six months that hasn't brought up St. Louis and the potential of what this league is now having that. It's in the, 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 what they did this year and that fan base and that ownership group and those players, I think anyone from the city is extremely proud to say St. Louis City is now an MLS and they represented the city at the highest of their abilities. It is unfortunate, but I'm not going to take anything away. Sporting Kansas City was the better team. They were the better team in both games. St. Louis City didn't deserve a game three. But what this city was about, Tim, it it gives me goosebumps talking about it. And yet I'm in New York City, and the two conversations I've had this morning is about what St. Louis did this year and how people are disappointed they didn't get a game three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the atmosphere for that on Saturday. Can you even imagine what that scene would have looked like, especially considering we're having some uh, pretty temperate weather for November in St. Louis? Would have been something else, but nonetheless, February through October was more than we could have ever expected, and the fans certainly showed out whatever year one it was. Taylor, every Tuesday I looked forward to the conversations and really enjoyed your perspective, and I appreciate that you don't really care if you get criticism or not. You give your opinion, so God bless, man, and we'll look forward to talking it over 
uh, next year in year two. Thank you so much for your contributions on the show this year, brother. Bud, we just talked to MLS in St. Louis for nine months. How about that? Pinch me. <laughs> <laughs> there he is, Taylor Twelman in New York, giving us his perspective as always on Tuesdays here on 101 ESPN. Taylor, thanks so much, man. Yeah, he hopped off there right there. I was, like, was, I, I was worried he was under arrest or something. <laughs> Fifth Avenue. Yeah, sure. It's hotbed. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Twelman, your thoughts are welcome. 314-399-9646. And, of course, you are welcome to participate in the chat on YouTube. We'll give our thoughts on what he had to say and read some of the many texts, both on our Cardinal discussion and Taylor Twelman's comments as we wrap up the program and hand it off to BK and Ferrario. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN and YouTube. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Great conversation with Taylor Twelman. If you missed it, go back and podcast via the Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast, uh, the YouTube chat. Uh, very happening today. This is becoming a scene. It's like Harry's. Is that what it is? Yeah. That's how we got Jamie Rivers on last week. We talked about Harry's mm-hmm. and Jeremy Rutherford also was at Harry's. It's like a bat signal. Yep. They'll both be in the building tonight. Blues and Jets. Blues are the underdog. Plus 125 if you're interested in money line play. I like that. Do you? Why not? That's your reasoning. Sure. I mean, it's it's a regular season hockey game. Kind of. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What does that mean? Well, I'd say the same thing for a regular season basketball game. When okay. you play right, or baseball fine. even, like you play so many games. What if Wemby were playing for the Winnipeg Jets? <laughs> That'd be interesting. That'd be, there's a lot of, it's a lot of man. Uh, that off. But, you know, it's a, it's you play a bunch of games. You don't necessarily know how hard each team's going to go, who's sitting there with lingering injuries. So when you got a money line play that's, Plus one twenty five, like you just said. Yeah, why not? Uh, you know, when the great ape auto detailing text in, he gets red. Mm-hmm. It's just a deal that I have with him, right? And he says, "Please tell me we are going to address Mister NBA not knowing who the MVP of his league is." That's from the great ape auto detailing. That Sports Center update. It got away from you. Well, it's the People's League, first of all, and second of all, I immediately recognized it. Now, to be fair. Jokic was the finals MVP last year, but he was not the regular season MVP that went to Joel Embiid. I quickly remembered that as soon as it came out of my mouth, so I uh, amended my Sports Center update. So I don't know, people make mistakes. Not the Great Bay Auto Detailing. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. I'm, I'm a Great Bay Auto Detailing guy through and through. Uh, this was regards to our Cardinal discussion. You guys are insane. You don't think if we added three pitchers, we wouldn't be able to contend? Well, who are the three uh, well I mean, here's, here's, here's the issue with that. If I were 6'4 with a full head of hair and a symmetrical skull, I think I could probably do quite well for myself out there. But you know what, Jackson? I ain't any of those three things. Uh-huh. And so that is who we are. They are who we thought they are. Is that what he said? They are who we thought they were. Dennis Green, Chicago Bears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Wasn't he with the Cardinals at the time? We let him off the hook. You're correct. Yeah. He got the bob and weave banned, and I'm still mad about it. Mm. But, uh,. Yeah, that I mean, yes, I agree. And if they could acquire Shohei Otani, that would help as well. Right. The issue is getting those three pitchers. Right. So if that can happen, then yes. If you are expecting the Cardinals to get three, let's say, two A-list pitchers in, from the free agent class and a one B-list 
then sure, then then, then, it's, then it's game on. But all of the chips are now in on 2024, yep. and you best deliver. So that is why I don't expect it to happen. Uh, BK and Ferrario are coming up next. Um, for Action Jackson, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, Burkhard, Alton Toyota, on 101 ESPN and on YouTube. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.